a great day in Nevada, and you are listening to the Nevada Nice Podcast. We're live. We're live. Perfect. Seven well, people good watching. morning, everyone. I think we got this figured out. We've never tried anything like this before, so it's brand new. Um, but as many of you know, we have been meeting once a month at Farm Grounds as a community leadership um, group, rotating group of folks just to meet with members across the community. It's been a really good event that we have where we get to just have informal conversations, um, talking about issues that you have, concerns that you have, questions that you have. And obviously we can't be at farm grounds today. So we wanted to um, still continue that tradition and knowing that there's been major um, issues across the community that we've had to face since we last had our last community coffee a month ago. We thought we'd get some key leaders um, to just talk about what's been going on. And then um, as you think of things, definitely go into the chat box, send us some questions or comments or topics you want us to hit on, and we will try to monitor that. And otherwise, also keep in mind, you know, what we talk about today is the best that we know today, but things change really quickly. So it may not be true tomorrow or Monday or a month from now. So um, with that, um, welcome everybody. Maybe if we can go around and everyone can give us a brief introduction of yourself and then kind of go from there. But I'm Brett Barker and privileged to serve as mayor here in the city of Nevada. Steve Gray, uh, superintendent, Nevada schools. Good morning. Henry Corbin. Oh, um, Henry Corbin, uh, director, Main Street, Nevada. Dave Nielsen, uh, Nevada City Council, Ward 4. Linda Merkin, Stroy County Supervisor. Good morning. This is John Hall. Uh, I serve as the Executive Director of the Nevada Economic Development Council. Morning, everybody. So I've had numerous conversations, I think, well, for sure, with all of you over the last month. Um, so I know there, there's probably a lot we can talk about, but obviously with COVID popping up about in this area about a month ago is when we all started working on that um, more heavily and seeing some of the changes coming from that. So I know all of our organizations have been impacted in one way or another. So, you know, on the city level right away, we started looking at how do you protect our staff and perform the essential services. So we looked at uh, our first responders, our, our key city staff, um, all of our departments, how we were going to maintain water service, sewer service, things of that nature. So a lot of what we've done is work on social distancing plans where we try to keep key staff separate so that there's redundancy if somebody gets sick, um, they haven't crossed paths with somebody else that can step in and do that job. So that's been obviously um, goal one was to protect essential city services, but two is just to work with other folks across the community to make sure that resources were in the right place. So that's kind of a high level of what we've been doing. Um, but maybe we can just all talk a little bit from our own organization's perspective, how it's been impacting us in the last week. So maybe we'll go to the schools next. Yeah, sure. Um, well, the, uh, our, our initial response, um, really during the, what would have been spring break week was to, um, get some things in place right away. Um, we started working on a, a resource page for um, educational resources for families, and that continues to grow. Um, and then, the, obviously, our meal program, which I think most folks know about, um, we had 
really about a week, week and a half to get that off the ground, to get, uh, to get approved at the various levels, to get our summer program running so that we could do curbside grab and go meals. And we've been serving thousands of meals each week. And that's, that's been no small lift. So we really appreciate all the people that have helped us do that. Our food service staff and staff across our district have given their time to help us make that happen. Um, and then along those lines, our, our food pantry, Cubby's Cupboard, we've seen a, a huge increase, a huge demand there. And uh, you know Elizabeth Gent and Jody Heron that are heading that up for us and do a great job. Um, but we've had a lot of community support, a lot of people helping us to, to maintain that and get it done, um, especially with this, the demand is what it is. So um, we, we've got that going. And then our backpack meal program, we've continued that. Um, for those students that were in that program, we continue to provide those uh, backpack meals. And then uh, as a district, we had to de declare yesterday as to what our learning structure was going to look like. Um, we had to upload that to the state system and get approved, which we did. And then about four o'clock yesterday, our principals all communicated with their parents that we would be continuing with voluntary learning opportunities at Nevada from April 13th through April 30th, which of course the April 30th date is the date in which the current school closure extends to. Um, at the elementary and middle school levels, we'll be adding much more structure to that process. We've had some parents asking for more direction with their optional resources um, for their students. And so um, parents at those levels, elementary and middle school, would have gotten emails from their principal at four o'clock yesterday, kind of outlining what that'll look like moving forward. And then uh, we'll continue with our resource site at the high school, but in the event that the governor would extend the closure for the remainder of the year, we're preparing to resume required classes at the high school beginning May 1st. Um, so if we hear that there's good, the closure is gonna be extended, um, we'll be getting a lot more detail out to our high school students and parents as to what, what and how we will be resuming uh, fourth term for them. So uh, lots going on for sure. Um, navigating the COVID economic legislation has been uh, another piece of that. And um, it's kind of drinking through a fire hose, I'm sure for many of you, and, and I can attest to that as well. But um, we're getting there and uh, we'll come out the other side of this and we'll come out, uh, I believe we're going to come out with a whole new set of skills and adaptability and uh, maybe better ways to do things. So it's temporary. We'll get through it. Oh, that's a really good update. And I know, you know, right away as, as this thing started, we knew it was more of a regional type of a, of a coordination and we were going to have to be on the same page. So Mayor Hala from Ames and I talked quite a bit and we had a lot of conversations with Supervisor Merkin, knowing, you know, county level, we're all, I mean, the, the travel patterns here all go together. So as we, as the county goes, we all go. So um, Surrey County Emergency Management has been a huge resource stepped up right away. So maybe um, Supervisor Merkin can talk a little bit about from a county perspective. Thank you. Um, well, as you all know, uh, one of our main buildings uh, for the county is at the southern end of Main Street in Nevada. And I guess I just have to say, since we have so many of our employees working from home right now, 
what's outside in the city of Nevada, on the end of Main Street there and what's on the inside is quite different. I often will, if I go over there for a meeting and I look at one of the stairwells, I see all the construction equipment going. And I understand you're taking advantage of some of the, you know, the business shutdowns right now to keep going with your street work. And I think that's really wise, but it's very quiet in the administration building. because I said, most everybody is working from home. People stop by occasionally to get work they need and, and, and leave pretty quickly because we're trying to maintain social distancing. A jail population is down. I think the last time I heard it was in the low 30s and that's when it was had been 80 about a month ago. So law enforcement's doing a very good job of citing people when they are nonviolent and when they don't pose a risk to the community which helps us keep the jail population low. And I think what we've seen in other parts of the country with outbreaks in jails, I think that's, that's the best thing possible because we can isolate people more, more, more easily, keep distances in the jail when we have a lower population. Still getting property tax collections coming in, either in the mail or online or in the Dropbox in front of the administration building. It's going a little slower than it normally does simply because we've got the until May 1st before there are um, penalties um, assessing, but um, I think it might be a little higher than, well, we'll see where we are at the end of the month. I think what will be more telling in terms of the economy is what the September collections are gonna look like. We have, um, as I said, in the treasurer's office, we have people working. We have people working in a lot of the offices uh, remotely, if not coming in and doing shifts in their office, if they can't work remotely. We currently have a May 1 return to work date for people. We'll, of course, like everybody else, be waiting to see what happens when we hit our peak of cases here in Story County. Um, I think we only have seven now, which is, of course, good news. Um, but they are growing in some other areas of the state faster. So we'll be seeing where we are on that. Um, we are maintaining public safety functions, maintaining the property tax collections and revenue disbursement and all other essential services. And I can take any questions later if anybody has any. Sure, I think that's a really good update. And I know um, I, I definitely think the calls we've done with Story County Emergency Management have been helpful because it's kept all the cities and the county on the same page with what's going on. Um, so I think that's been good to have that good communication. So I was just pulling up my notes of some of the stuff we as a city had been reporting to those meetings. And, you know, right away, um, we did close the public access to our facilities, but maintaining the ability to do all the, all the services. So folks were still able to pay their water bills, to um, interface with city staff, either by email, through the phone, through the mail. So still the, the administration is still operating at City Hall and then all, all the departments as well. Um, we limited access to the water and wastewater facilities to those department employees only so that other city staff departments weren't going into those. Um, library curbside service um, went really well and they're still continuing some of that as well. Um, we moved all of our official city meetings to electronic access. So Monday, you'll be able to um, view and participate in our city council meeting live on Zoom. And so there's login information on our city website and Facebook page that you can find out how to do that. Um, our public safety director changed some of the standard operating procedures of the public safety department to make sure that our public safety staff um, is protected as possible with proper PPE and disinfecting and different procedures like that. We implemented the 14-day quarantine for employees returning from travel, primarily worried about spring break. 
people coming back um, and, you know, police officers, whatnot, coming back. We didn't want the rest of our force to potentially be exposed to something. So we, we did um, act on the cautious side there. Um, we had an emergency proclamation um, from the mayor um, and that's because city code had a section in there about the emergency powers. So it's kind of interesting. Most of my proclamations have all been symbolic. So this was probably the first one that actually did something. So I was joking around with our city clerk, Karen. I was like, you mean I actually have real power? And she was like, yes, you do. So um, unfortunately, it's not one that I ever wanted to have to use. So um, it uh, basically outlines things like the city parks. Um, it um, echoes the state proclamations locally and our police force then can enforce what the state has mandated through the local ordinance there. So the city council did um, ratify that proclamation by resolution at the last city council meeting and also went through other emergency powers for the mayor and the city administrator. Also emergency um, as policy as far as staff and, and time off and whether they get paid for what and those types of things. So we did have official city council action taken on that. Um, I already talked about dividing the workforce for social distancing. Um, and really what's been kind of fun is engaging the community in fun ways. So there was the police, the police went around um, looking for the bears, the bear hunt and all the stuffed bears and then Easter eggs and chalk and um, the, the Easter bunny will be out on the fire engine tomorrow. So we felt it was important to keep the community feeling connected, even though we can't really be side by side right now. Um, and I'm really proud of the way our community has responded in that way, because the last thing we want is for people to feel isolated, because isolation leads to a whole host of other problems. And so seeing that connection has been has been really great. And then also seeing all the community groups um, really step up and we can talk. I know John and Henry will talk more about that and how those groups have stepped up to the plate, because there are a lot of unmet needs um, that we're trying to, to fill those gaps to make sure that that everybody's taken care of. And then, you know, we've also been trying to communicate from the city level as much as we can online through social media, getting as much information out. And then Supervisor Merkin had on something, too, that just came up this week that we put out yesterday was, you know, we're right now tearing up 6th Street, which has been, we've been talking about that for about as long as I've lived in town. So it's a project that has been coming for, for quite a while, um, obviously just broke ground last month. And, you know, with all the current disruption to downtown, the businesses are closed anyway. Um, what we talked a lot about and we talked to Main Street and the business community is, would it make sense right now to, to change the phasing? Because what we were trying to do is to um, not hit 6th Street all at once. We were going to part of 6th Street, go to an alley, a side street, back to 6th Street and kind of come around like that so that we minimize the impact downtown. But um, what, we've, what we have decided to do now is to take care of as much as 6th Street as possible while it's already shut down so that when the businesses are ready to reopen, hopefully um, later this summer, the 6th Street project will be mostly complete or as much as possible. So not knowing when that um, new normal will, will come with businesses being able to operate a little bit more, um, it's hard to tell whether we'll fully get through it. But um, we did a little video yesterday with Sean Cole downtown and um, if we have good weather and things can move, move like we think they can, um, hopefully we'll be at the Lincoln Highway end of, of 6th Street um, working on the final touches of that in the, at the end of the J July. So um, we think we can accomplish a lot of that. And I think it makes a lot of sense because then hopefully um, what we don't want to do is have businesses reopen and then next summer hit them with the road closure 
um, which is what we were going to, to do at the other end of 6th Street. So um, that, that's the current plan. Um, hopefully it progresses smoothly so far. It's been good. The weather's cooperated. They've made quite a bit of progress. Um, and it's been quite fascinating to watch um, the, the process too. So, you know, I've looked at it on paper. I know conceptually what's going to happen, but it's pretty neat to, to see and feel when you have an office right there on the corner of 6th and J, you can out, you can, you can feel it all the way up on the upper, upper floors. So it's been a, been a um, neat project to watch. Um, if the community is interested, it's a good way to come down and practice social distance, you know, definitely keep, keep your distance from folks, but you can um, observe some of that going on too. But that's kind of our high points. So maybe we can have um, Henry and John talk a little bit more, maybe from what your organizations are seeing, keeping businesses afloat, keeping um, our nonprofits um, functioning at their, because mm. that's what Dr. Gray hit on. There's, there's a need. And I've seen the Cubbies covered statistics. Um, there's quite, quite the jump in the last few weeks. And we've had to bring in a lot more volunteers um, to man those Cubbies covered hours because the need is a lot higher. Um, and we put out, well, I'll put a plug in, um, on, there's a form on the city Facebook page right now, um, because what we've found is there are some folks that don't have a way to get to the food pantries. The food pantries, we've been able to maintain supplies. Um, we've had volunteers helping on that end, but we need more volunteers helping to deliver to folks um, that can't make it up there, whether it's for mobility issues or transportation issues. And with that, you, you wouldn't have to interface with people. You know, you can leave it at their doorstep and they can come out and get it. So there, there wouldn't be risk of exposure to, to anything, but we do need some volunteers doing that. So now I'll stop talking and hand it over. So <laughs> Henry and John, you can flip a coin. Oh, well, oh, go ahead. Okay, I'm happy to jump in and talk a little bit about, you know, we engaged pretty early on in trying to, to work through some childcare issues. Uh, and Story County Man Emergency Management in conjunction with United Way have really stepped up and, and, and have kind of uh, taken that under their wing, um, utilizing some of the early initial connections that we were able to make. Uh, since then, we've continued to plug in and, and the Nevada Foundation has been really a key component of this. Uh, you know, we know that there are uh, shortages for, for dollars coming in. This is a, a really heavy uh, charitable contribution time of the year for uh, a number of our key um, kind of social service organizations in the community. Uh, and so the Nevada Foundation has stepped up and, and actually as a community pandemic relief fund. Uh, so rather than donating to just individual um, uh, organizations like the, the, uh, the food pantries or, uh, you know, housing assistance programs, uh, it, the contributions to the Nevada Foundation are actually uh, able to then be mobilized to uh, wherever there is critical need, when, if and when um, those pinch points happen. So uh, it allows us to be uh, pretty um, pretty quick on response with, uh, with uh, those, those resources. Um, and then in terms of, of business response, uh, you know, that's what, uh, what the majority of what I've been working on uh, these days has been. So I've been in regular contact with a number of our key industries throughout the community, uh, as well as uh, a good deal of our uh, additional businesses throughout throughout our community. Um, and, you know, we're really in kind of still that phase one of, of a recovery plan, which is uh, considered mobilization. So that's the mobilization of financial resources. Uh, that's the mobilization of, of businesses that can produce PPE equipment, shifting their operations to do so. Um, and that's the, the uh, mobilization of the lockdowns and social distancing and, and those sorts of, of uh, kind of preventive measures that uh, we've seen. So 
Uh, in, in our world, we're seeing the end of that mobilization period. You know, we, we think we've seen what financial resources are going to be available. We're still waiting for those dollars to come in for a lot of our businesses, but uh, we're really past the point of, of new financial resources uh, at this point. So now we're starting to, to shift our focus to think about what the economy will be like when it goes to reopen. So um, early next week, we're, we're intending to launch uh, uh, really a technical assistance program uh, designed to help businesses think through what a reopening might look like. Because we're not going to go from, you know, everything being closed on April 30th to everything being open on May 1 and back to normal with, with uh, you know, everything like it was uh, pre-COVID. Uh, so thinking through uh, a lot of those, those issues that, that come with reopening, that's what we're going to be working to help businesses do so that uh, if and when we get to that time or when we get to that time, uh, we have the, the appropriate steps in place for, for maintaining social distancing uh, and limiting spread while also being able to uh, support our, our economy uh, here locally. Um, no. Uh, and so I'll just uh, echo, I guess, off of a few points there. Um, right now, Main Street's been working. Uh, communication is the most one of our most important assets right now. Um, and Main Street's been working to help direct with the volunteer force, um, finding volunteers to help direct to these various um, nonprofits and organizations that are so critical during this time. Uh, we've also acted as a center point of contact uh, for those who per se are in need of meals or need of meals delivered, um, helping put them in contact with those who can help them get those meals. Um, we are still looking for volunteers, of course. Um, that's something that uh, you can contact us, uh, call us at the office, Main Street. Um, 515-382-6538. Um, we're looking for individuals who can deliver meals, um, who can also help out at some of these organizations, uh, Food at First, um, Cubby's Cupboard, um, and the other organizations that are working so hard during this time. Um, but you can contact us there, or there's a survey which the city has put out on their page and will be putting out on the Nevada Main Street page. Um, that is a great way to sign up. Let us know what you can do. Um, so amidst all this, uh, we've been working with our businesses uh, with the Sixth Street Project, um, working with the city and um, helping those businesses also receive the COVID relief, uh, the resources that they can receive during this time, helping them get that paperwork and put them in touch with those individuals who can help them, uh, the organizations, local lenders, um, just helping that communication still occur. Um, even though we cannot come together in person, uh, helping that communication still happen, still get the information out and still get people who have those questions connected with those who can give them the answers. And I think that's some really good points there, Henry. I know right early on, we knew we already had really strong social services in the community already filling a bunch of needs. And so um, what we knew we needed to do right away was connect those folks together. And so we had meetings, pulling those folks, talking about who's doing what, how we were gonna try to coordinate. And John hit on that too, not knowing what need was gonna be exhausted sooner. That's where that pandemic relief fund came into play. And we've had really, really strong support for that. And that's been encouraging. And there's more coming up that I'll probably let Dane talk about that's gonna benefit that. But um, the goal of that is not knowing who is gonna run out of funds first. And people in the community wanna help, but they don't know where to, where to give it to. And 
quite honestly, we didn't know where to tell them to send it to because different needs are coming at different times. So that's the nice thing about that fund is it allows, you know, maybe it's food now and it might be rent relief in a month from now or, or utilities later in the summer when the ban on um, disconnections for utilities goes away. So we know there's going to be a rolling effect of this for quite a while. And so um, the needs are going to continue to come. So I'd encourage folks to take a look at that fund and please contribute if you can. You can do it on PayPal. Um, there's the Nevada Foundation page has a link. I'll just, that's one easy way to find it. Otherwise, State Bank, you can drop off funds at State Bank as well, and they can help you out. But um, yeah, the needs are going to keep coming. That's what John hit on to knowing um, we will have a new normal that'll settle in um, that won't look like what it did even as as much as a month and a month and a half ago um, until we get through and there's vaccination programs and we get on the, the full other side of this. So, you know, there will be some some adjustments that all of our businesses and our community will have to take in the interim to to continue to operate as much as we can, but also protect people. So, um, yeah, with that, um, Dane, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the other fun things we have coming up that'll help the fund? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you'll remember uh, a few months ago, we announced a big uh, Runners United Nevada uh, race series that we we're talking about doing uh, for 2020 uh, involving four races. And that's still going to go on, but obviously um, it's hard to have a big mass gathering of runners when you also have to do social distancing measures and such. And so um, right now, what, what Runners United Nevada is doing and teaming up with the Nevada Foundation is um, – is a virtual 5k, um, which, uh, Brett and I have both spent a lot of time on. Um, I think Brett probably even more than I, so credit to the mayor on that, but, um, the turnout's been incredible. So basically the way it works is, uh, until next Wednesday, the 15th, you can register for this race. Um, it's $20, you get a t-shirt, you get a medal. Um, and then basically once you've run your race, um, I'll be sending out a reporting form where you can report your time, but, We've got some great sponsors uh, from the community involved with that that have helped um, pretty much mitigate all the upfront costs. So most of that $20 you're spending is going straight into the pandemic relief fund for the Nevada Foundation. So um, I, I think at this point, we've probably got over 100 people signed up already. Uh, turnout has been very, very encouraging. And so thank you to the community members who have signed up so far. Um, would definitely encourage you if you haven't yet to sign up and do that. You can run it, you can walk it um 3.1 miles um again uh even if you're walking it's less than an hour and uh i think it also feeds back into some of even you know some of the main street stuff we've talked about that main street survey that that uh, main street did last year and and there was a, a thirst and a hunger in the in the uh community for more um you know fitness running type events and so this fits right into that and that's one way that i think we're really taking lemons and making lemonade um, out of a situation and just trying to keep the community spirits up during this time as a way to come together without actually coming together. So. Yeah. And I think it's been pretty great just to watch people on social media already posting their race photos and it just helps you feel like you're part of something, even though we can't all cross the finish line in the same place at the same time. Um, so I think that's, that's been really fun. And then also shout out, um, you know, and Dane might've said this and I might've just spaced it off, but our large employers have stepped up to be part of that too. So Burke right away donated very generously to cover so far on um, the t-shirt. So um, up to this point, um, everyone who's donated every single penny is going towards the fund because Burke covered the cost of the first 150 ish, depending on what the shirt cost officially came in at t-shirt. So 
Um, hopefully we'll run out of those ones that were sponsored. That'd be a good, good problem to have. And then Almeco, which is really fun, um, made custom medals. So um, we'll put up some photos of that on social media, probably this weekend of what the metal, the prototype metal looks like, but everyone will get a locally made metal made here in the community um, as well for, for participating. And we have people um, internationally registered for this event. So that's kind of neat too. It's connections to the community from all over the country and even the world that are participating in that event um, to, to help our community. So yeah, that's been really fun. And Henry, another one kind of off of that, which was a similar idea. We tried to think about whether we could time them together, but it just didn't quite fit with the speed we had to move on some of it. So maybe you can talk about Main Street and what they're working on with the 20 and 20. Yeah. So um, we are looking at starting a um, a similar idea. It'd be called Going the Social Distance uh, 2020 uh, Nevada. Um, and essentially what it is, is a tour of Nevada. Uh, we've selected 20 historic locations throughout the community. Um, and these 20 locations will be part of a guided tour, which will feature plaques and QR codes that you can learn as you walk around to these locations um, about these places, about these locations that are all historically significant to Nevada. Um, we have been having a fun time with this. Um, you don't have to run it. You can walk it. You can bike it. Um, the idea is just to kind of get the, uh, the citizens of Nevada out there learning about us, learning about what makes our community, but also being able to get out and kind of shake off the cabin fever. Um, these locations are all over town. Right now we have three routes that take them to different, uh, different locations out of these 20. Um, all 20 are located in, I guess, the corporate limits. Um, but they'll each have a plaque, a number, and a QR code. And the hope is to actually make it an audio tour. Um, so as individuals would go to these locations, scan the QR code, um, they'd be given the written history of it, but they would also hear the audio version of it so they could continue to listen to it as they run or walk the course. Um, they'll also receive a t-shirt um, for doing this. Um, it's something that we just, uh, you know, as Brett said, it was two ideas that were similar um, and we looked at putting them together, um, but then we decided to um, this, uh, going the social distance Nevada will hopefully become a reoccurring event every year. It'll be 2021 next year and we'll select an additional site, um, to add to our list. And so this is something that we're looking to, um, bring some entertainment and some fun during this time, but also something that will continue and go on for hopefully years. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be, it'll be fun and informative and, you know, take that downtown walking tour that's on paper and make it more um, accessible for people too. So yeah, um, there are some questions coming in, which is good. So if you're watching, put some questions in the in the box there so we can cover topics you're interested in. So one maybe to punt over to Dane is what's going to happen with the Nevada race series. Uh, yeah, I actually just commented back to, to Amber on that one, but uh, the race series is still going to happen. Um, the May 3rd event with Brian White, that has been postponed. We are working on a new date. <clears throat> we're, I think we're pretty close to having a date set uh, later in the year for that one. So rest assured, um, Brian White is still coming. It's just a matter of when. Um, he's still excited to do the event. He was uh, his, his scheduling guy was telling me this is the first time that Brian's ever been invited to do a race and then a post-race concert. 
uh, and he was really excited about that. So it will happen. It's just a matter of when we're able to um, uh, get the logistics worked out on that. But we've got a, a really hardworking committee working on making that happen. Um, so all four of those races are still going to happen. The virtual 5K is a separate event from those. So if you're wanting to do the four races for 75 and sign up for that, we can still do that. Um, just stay tuned to the Runners United Nevada page, and we can uh, definitely keep you updated there. So, um, but again, yeah, I think that's going to be a great thing once we start to come out of this and we start to figure out what that new normal is going to look like. I think an event like that is something that can really um, help our community start to get past this, hopefully. Yep. Very good. And I am waiting for Sue Vandekamp to put a question in. So, Sue, I know you're probably watching, so we're wait waiting for, for your topic you have for us. This, hey, this Brett, Brett, we did have one question in the messages from the city page, too. Um, about the yard waste? No. Well, that one, too. Um, there was a question about the timeline for construction on 6th Street with the changes. Do we have a, a rough estimate on when things might start to wrap up for the year? Yeah, so as far as the total project for downtown, um, it will go into the next construction season in 2021. So the original phasing included the section of 6th Street they're doing now, and then it was supposed to go to the alleys behind those buildings and then go to J Avenue, and that was going to then complete this year. And then next spring, they were going to go down to 6th Street um, between K and Lincoln and do basically a big T up there, up up um, up in front of City Hall, and then do the alleys um, and, and K. So uh, it was going to be phased like that. So at this point, um, it'll still be a two construction season project, but our goal is to race down 6th Street as quickly as we can to Lincoln to at least get the parts in front of most of the storefronts complete um, right now while things are already disrupted. So that's um, the rough estimate of the timeline. And then we got a question in the in the chat from Matt about yard waste. And we did have a city council yard waste committee that met shortly before um, our gears shifted to the uh, COVID situation. So we do have a, an ongoing discussion about yard waste. Um, city staff is researching various options and we'll continue to work on, work on that as an issue. Um, and now that we are kind of um, hopefully letting the dust settle a little bit and settling back in and getting used to, to Zoom type options for meetings, we will recircle back on that topic. So it definitely is one that we're working on. So with that, I'm waiting for some more questions, but maybe we can go around and all kind of shift gears, maybe a little more informal, lighthearted and talk about some of the changes we might see down the pipe. So, you know, five, 10 years from now, I mean, we, we know the Great Depression generation didn't like to throw out, you know, loaves of bread until they were all gone. And there were some permanent changes to, you know, society after that. So I think we can all kind of guess what some of those might be. But maybe we can go around the horn and talk a little bit about that while we wait for more questions to come in. Well, this is Linda Merkin, and I'll talk on a personal level. I'm a gardener, and I save seeds. So I've been getting seedlings ready to go. And I ran out of a few things and it's going to freeze and I've got some things out and I needed to get some more seeds and I found out all the online seed, garden seed uh, um, companies are two weeks behind and are suspending orders. So um, it looks to me like uh, everybody's thinking more about food and everybody's more thinking about what they can do to feed themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if that will become a longer term. Um, thing, but I think people are thinking a lot more about self-sufficiency right now. 
you know, one thing from uh, uh, the seat that I sit in that we're seeing is uh, a uh, a consideration of the entire supply chain, and this kind of kind of goes back to what Linda was saying. I mean, you know, it's a it's it's a supply chain issue that has delayed, um, you know, a lot of those orders, uh, and certainly more demand on that. But um, you know, we're seeing that with some of our our large companies that uh, uh, that um, the supply chain coming internationally uh, has posed a lot of issues where. They may otherwise be able to continue operating, you know, obviously implementing some additional social distancing policies and, and doing some additional work on, on their end, but uh, they're just not able to get some of the products uh, that they need in order to actually produce um, their end product. So uh, we're continuing to, to hear more and more that um, the idea of uh, reshoring and foreign direct investment uh, from international companies who have presence over here is going to continue to increase and continue to grow uh, as uh, the closer to consumer production uh, happens, uh, it, it ultimately helps alleviate some of those supply chain concerns into the future. So um, I think that that uh, from an economic development perspective, I think that there's some real uh, upside opportunity on, on this, this whole thing uh, with reshoring some of those, uh, those opportunities. Well, and I can speak, I guess, on a personal note, too. Um, you know, it, it's interesting for myself looking at it, uh, how almost for granted you take certain things. And now, you know, you don't realize it until you, you know, you do decide, oh, you know, should head uptown for dinner or something, you know, and you get used to that sitting in, you know, uh, sitting in the booth and kind of the atmosphere and uh, that social element. And uh I've discovered it's, we're a very social community. You know, we, we have our social circles. Um, they all kind of intertwine and connect. And it's been interesting to see how we are adapting in this time. And I'm wondering if that's something that's going to continue. Um, you know, it's either going to make us desire that, you know, personal connection and those social interactions even more after all this is cleared up. Um, that desire to be able to go, you know, to the local restaurant and sit in a booth and see your neighbor and just communicate and chat and enjoy the atmosphere. Um, that's something I think people are going to value. Um, not that they didn't value it already, but um, value it even more. I, um, I would agree with Henry. You know, I obviously working in a pharmacy. I work in state center, but um, I think it very much applies to Nevada too. I think, uh, when you uh, talk about uh, you know social distancing and not wanting to go into some of these bigger population areas, I think it's an opportunity for some some local folks who might normally go do business in, in bigger towns to stay local, so they're not going out and being as exposed to other people. I think it's an opportunity for for people to really go check out their local businesses, um, and also an opportunity for those businesses to to shine and kind of show you know, why we love having them in the community. So that would be my strong encouragement would be for, for folks to, to definitely take this opportunity to, you know, limit your, your exposure and, and do stay local and check out some of these local places maybe you don't normally go. Yeah, I had two things I've been thinking about, just um, watching some of the changes happening pretty rapidly with companies scrambling to figure out work from home. I think we'll have a huge jump in telecommuting and I think it'll change the way America works. 
And one thing that I'm really giddy about that, and I'm going to talk about it right now. Um, so one thing we've been working really hard on at the city is citywide fiber, knowing we hear all the time from folks across the community, they want better, more reliable, faster internet speed. And so we've been working on that and it's the timing just lined up. So, you know, at now when everyone's working from home, it's really underscoring the need for um, to future proof the community with fiber. And we have in front of us, the city council on Monday's meeting is an agreement for citywide fiber. And their plan is to have the deployment complete by the end of the year. So super excited about that as an opportunity. I think it'll really put us in a good place because we're still commutable to the Des Moines metro area, but maybe folks will have more options to work on from home more days and that'll make our community really attractive, I think, going forward. So that's one change I, I think we'll see. I also think we'll see an increase in, in touchless payments. So I think Apple Pay and Google, I mean, they all have different ideas, but I think people are going to stop exchanging things so much at the store and do more touchless. I think that'll be another permanent change as people those technologies are there, but I think people are learning how to use them more because um, it's just one less contact point. So those are my two little predictions. Well, I, I, I think you're right, Brett, with the, uh, the the less interchange there. And and as Henry was talking about, uh, you know, we're social creatures as human beings, and and we miss those spaces. And when we re-enter those spaces, and you talk about maybe uh, Apple Pay and those kinds of things, um, it makes me wonder if you know sometime in the future. A couple of generations will look back and say, um, do you know that they used to shake hands as a greeting? And that will be a very strange thing, just as, you know, my own children would say, you're telling me the telephone used to be attached to the wall and you had to stand there with a, with a cord by the wall um, or, you know, just things of that nature um, that, that we've in our culture have have taken for granted or you know it's normalized for us and I think we'll see a shift in some of those things um, just as some of you have indicated we'll see a shift in new ways of doing things and opportunities some of our old customs I think will seem very foreign as we move forward I can see the disappointment on John's face when you said no handshakes I think he's been working for his whole life on perfecting that firm handshake he's got <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and I think he's going stir crazy without wearing suits every day too. So I, John and Apollo, I mean, that that's just like pajamas to him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little more casual working from home, that's for sure. But uh, looking forward to the day that I can uh, get back to the office and get back to a regular routine and in my suits. So, um, but we'll see. Maybe I, I won't, won't ever shake another hand again. Yeah, so... I'm trying to pull up comments here again because my laptop is not doing very well. So let's see. Um, uh, we went back here. So um, Henry, the survey for volunteering. Mm -hmm. So Main Street's planning to reach out to the folks that complete that and, and touch base with them or what's the process for folks that turn that out? Yeah, so um, in some situations, we will put those individual volunteers um, in direct connection with the organization that needs them. Um, in other situations, they will receive an email from us um, um, directing them to possibilities, um, kind of just depending on, I guess, what area of volunteering they're looking at. Um, but no, we're, um, we're starting to get more um I guess more people submitting the survey, um, volunteering, which is awesome. And we'll be contacting them 
um, putting them in touch with these organizations. So um, just stay, uh, check your email. We'll be getting a hold of you shortly, um, putting you in touch with these organizations. And uh, we really appreciate you volunteering and offering to help. Um, it, it means so much in this time. Correct. My like laptop. We had a question about um, the city administrator. So maybe I can talk a little bit about that. So our plan was to have on-site interviews for city administrator candidates um, later in April, obviously bringing folks into the into town, some from out of state right now is, uh, would be frowned upon for obvious reasons. So we're, we'll be talking about that on Monday, what our strategy is gonna be um, and what that might look like. So we are still in the middle of the search um, unfortunately, it looks like we got a, another curveball we're going to have to deal with on that. But um, one thing that, that has been timing-wise, I think, fortunate is our current interim city administrator's training is in public safety. And so um, uh, Public Safety Director Martinez has done an amazing job navigating the city through this and working with city staff and kind of being a steady presence for staff. And so I want to commend commend him for all the work he's doing. I know he has put in far more hours than he probably planned to because when he took the interim role, I don't think he planned that he'd have to lead the organization through one of the largest disruptive events in any of our lifetimes. So, um, but yes, as far as the long-term plan for that role, um, we'll, we'll be talking as a council on Monday, kind of what that timeline might look like, knowing it's going to have to be delayed a little bit, but we, I don't think there's a desire, you know, to to completely stop the process. I think we do want to continue to make progress. So maybe it'll include things like Zoom to, to kind of get some initial discussions with some candidates. So we'll kind of see, we'll lay out options and see which direction council wants to go on that. Um, Marianne Ryan had a comment about being concerned about the elderly in Nevada, but wanting to know um, different ways to help them, checking in on them, picking up groceries and supplies. Henry, do you think that's a way that if she's interested to uh, um, contact the Main Street through the form there and you can reach out and figure out ways that, that she can help with that? Yep, absolutely. We've we've actually had um, a similar situation to this uh, just happen. A dear friend of some, a senior here in the community, um, she's not here in the community, the friend, uh, but she had ordered groceries for her friend here and just needed someone that could pick the groceries up, take them to her friend um, and drop them off. Um, and uh, luckily we had a volunteer who actually said they would be quite happy to do that exact situation. Um, so we were able to put them in touch. Um, yeah, absolutely can contact us through um, the survey or give us a call at our office. Um, that's another good way of getting hold of us, Facebook, um, any form of that. Is Brett with us? I think we lost him. <laughs> okay, well, there is a question from Amy. When this is over, can we do community-wide block parties? Each neighborhood can have an old-fashioned block party, potluck style with yard games and kids running around. Um, I mean, I don't want to- Love the idea. Love the idea. I love the idea. I, uh, I know a guy that plays music, so uh, <laughs> not to shamelessly self-promote here, but I think that's a great idea. No, I, uh, I think that's going to be, I think when this is all said and done, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have an opportunity, I think, to come together as a community and really appreciate 
um, all the different things that we're able to do, um, maybe with a little more appreciation than even what we were, were doing previously. So I, I, I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm back. So speaking of needing more reliable internet <laughs> providers and options in the community, uh, I'm having some difficulties this morning. So uh, I think I'm back. Hopefully I'll stay back. Um, but yeah, um, one thing I was thinking about before it dropped away. So if folks know of seniors that need some help, um, probably also I one one role that Main Street's really been good about, you know, Main Streets and Chambers tend to be kind of the, the front door of a community. And so um, Henry has been trying to connect the dots for us. So if you know people that need some help, um, you can send them Henry's way and he can hopefully connect them with the folks that are able to, to fill some of those needs. So that would be the flip side of Marianne's question there. Um, so is there anything else, Dane, you saw that we need to talk about? Uh, somebody asked about the old fairway store and I looked like Mike had a question about uh, middle schoolers doing required learning, which I'm guessing would be a Dr. Gray question. Yeah, so Old Fairway, I don't know if John, do you know what's going on there? Have you, or Henry? That'd be a Henry I question. Uh, <laughs> I really I, I, do, I do not have a definitive answer as to what's going into that space. Um, we're uh, very fortunate to have um, a local developer who has purchased that and is currently investing and working on that space um, and doing a great job. And so, uh, you know, that's something that we're excited about to see um, that investment into these spaces. Um, you know, that space specifically being empty for so long. Uh, it's great to see some life being put into it and some opportunity there. Very good. Um, and then Amy asked about community-wide block parties. And so, yeah, I mean, once we're on the other side of this thing and the, those types of gatherings are appropriate again, there definitely are ways that you can request to close down blocks for that. And I know that those those have occurred in the past. So definitely, I think we'll see some um, folks really excited about doing some of that on the other side of this. Um, and then there was a question about middle school. So probably Dr. Gray can talk about um, it says I would like a better explanation as to why middle schoolers cannot be doing the required learning. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are a lot of equity issues and barriers that we have to overcome to offer required instruction. Um, you know, while we know we cannot overcome all of those barriers on a pre-K-12 level with over 1,500 learners, um, we're currently researching those barriers starting with the high school level to see if required instruction is a possibility for, you know, those are our 450 most independent self-directed learners. Um, so we're currently gathering that data um, to address those equity issues such as internet, device access, special education, 504 accommodations, um, our English language learners. Um, so, so we're working on overcoming that at that level to offer, um, obviously at the high school level is our, our four credit, um, credit bearing courses. Um, so we're looking at that. And then as this thing, we'll see what the future holds. We, we believe that we can overcome those perhaps enough to get those uh, credit earning courses completed. Uh, obviously that's where the graduation requirements and such come in. And that would be a fourth quarter at the high school. Um, that's our hope. And then if this thing gets extended beyond that time, then I think, yes, we will need to take um, what we've bid off with the 450 high school students. If we overcome those barriers, then we can 
potentially and hopefully duplicate that at the next level um, and support another 450 students in terms of, again, their device issues. Um, one of the things that we're looking at when we talk about devices, uh, even students who are finding issues with their Chromebooks and we're coming up with plans to address those issues with our high school students, but we have a supply chain issue right now as well. Most of our parts to repair devices come from China. So the devices that we have, that's pretty much what, you know, what we've got to deal with. And we have a few loaners, but we have some students without devices. We have some students that need devices fixed. We do have some old iPads as backup and things of that nature, but trying to support those 450 students um, to begin with, uh, there's a lot to get our, our arms around for that required learning and the number of requirements with the Department of Education. So we're, we're, we're gonna try to tackle that at the high school level. And if this thing gets extended, you know, even into the fall, then we're gonna do our best to try to, to, to broaden that approach to the entire secondary level, if we can, if we can do it. Very good. And I think one thing that's been pretty clear to me with my various roles, whether it's my professional role in the pharmacy world or um, here with the city or in the community is, I think we're all dealing with issues and decisions that we never really had contemplated having to deal with. So um, one, one thing, you know, I've, I've tried to, just with any organization right now, I'm trying to give a lot of grace because we're, whether it's a business, you know, different entities in the community or across the country is folks are having to, to, to wrap their hands around things and develop brand new ways of doing business that we never had to do before. So I'm trying to, whether it's, you know, going into a business, you know, to get served right now, whatnot, trying to give a lot of grace to folks as I know we're all, we're all struggling and you know it's stressful too. I mean, people are, are, are stressed, they're anxious, you know, make, keeping that in mind too, as, as we're interacting with each other when, when we do get to. One other question that, that um, popped in there was about grants and funding for downtown restoration. So I'll just speak from the city perspective and then kick it over to, to Henry and John, because you guys have been working from your various perspectives on some of those. And I know we do still have some of that moving, so it hasn't all stopped. But one thing we were looking at at the city level is we used to have what was called the RIF program, which helped with the downtown building infrastructure um, of the buildings themselves. So we were looking at a, what is there a way now that we can kind of revamp that program um, and and have some some funds available for local matches for grants and and things like that. Um, to be honest with what's going on, you know, it might be more of a priority to um, have an ability for the business entities themselves to stay afloat. So we're going to take a take a good look at that, and maybe some of the money that we had hoped to put into the the brick and mortar might need to keep the businesses operating, so the brick and mortar then has a viable tenant to then keep it sustainable too. So it's changed a little bit of our of the thinking um, of of what direction we might be able to go. But um, maybe I'll kick it over, you know, Henry, I know we still have some grants going in for some projects. And you can talk a little bit about from Main Street's perspective where you see that organization being able to help with, with the downtown building infrastructure. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess uh, starting before all of this um, arised, um, we were pursuing a couple grants for a couple projects here in the downtown district. Um, we've been awarded a small one. Um, are still pursuing um, several others. Um, 
as you said, Brett, you know, this has caused us to kind of look at what these grants are going towards, what grants are the most applicable, um, you know, what what the demand is, I guess, what area. Um, so we're continually continually looking at that, looking at how we can make that impact, um, what grants, I guess, are, um, you know, can be directed towards this. Um, it's something we're continually working on, continuing, continually researching, looking into. We have a grant committee um, as part of Main Street, which is helping just organize, track, um, find these grants, um, just kind of keeping it organized um, and most effective. Um, but that's something we've been focusing on and continuing to focus on uh, through all of this. Um, and there was a question here for Dr. Gray about what's going to happen to prom and graduation at the high school um, with everything going on. I think you might, are you muted? Yeah, he needs to unmute. Sorry about that. I'm used to talking to myself, Brett. So, um, no, I know our seniors were thinking about uh, about them and some of those special moments that that uh, that you can't get back. So, we don't have any decisions made on that right now. But I can tell you, I, I would reassure our seniors and their parents that uh, any cancellation would be an absolute last. Uh, last choice. We we want to get to make this happen. And if we have to push it back, um, regardless maybe of how far we have to push it back, prom, graduation, some of those special lifetime memories, um, we're gonna do everything in our power to make that happen, even if we need to be creative. So um, we just don't have anything to announce right now. We're kind of waiting. Uh, I do have a meeting next Friday to address some of these topics. We're, we're waiting, you know, going back to the question previously about middle school and, and required learning and when could that happen. And there's so much state and federal uh, guidance that we're getting right now and it's changing daily. It's very fluid. Um, there's so many legal implications to every decision. And, and so we just simply don't have all of the answers on that. And I know there's a number of pieces of guidance um, that we hope to get this week. And then we hope that those can guide our further decision-making process. And that includes um, making some decisions on events like this question, you know, prom and graduation. And um, I, I think even if we are able to set some dates, we're honestly gonna be throwing a dart at it right now, just because there are so many things that are uncertain. So when we do make a decision and announcement on those types of things, we wanna do it um, with, as much information and forethought as possible. But seniors, we're thinking about you and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna do everything we can to make those special things stay in place for you. Yeah, I think that's one thing for me, just seeing, and it, it breaks your heart, know, having gone through some of those special life milestones and knowing what it's, how it's impacting um, folks, you know, weddings that were supposed to happen now, you know, I know a lot of people that were supposed to get married in the middle of this. And I know Dane in particular ha has a lot of those, those folks that, that are affected in, in the wedding world, that just, you know, the massive change right now that it's, how it's affecting everybody. But um, I guess shifting gears to another question that came in the chat about the um, sixth street and the stoplight there. So the question was, will that be there? Um, and the plan at, 
is to take that out. And um, to be honest, the reason is, you know, the current one, the parts they've, they've been having to eBay for a while because they're just not made anymore. And so those, the plan with those have been at some point, you know, if, if those current lights before the construction project couldn't be repaired, they were going to come out. Um, otherwise, they were going to wait till they were torn out because of the construction to um, kind of the, the reasoning behind it is to replace stoplights. It blows my mind, but it was around $300,000. Um, and when the DOT did their traffic study with the after the traffic patterns um, east west moved to the um, new 30, um, the traffic east west on Lincoln Highway no longer is at the, the capacity that requires stoplights. So, um, cost and benefit, um, that'll be transi transitioning to a four way stop when this is done. So, um, haven't seen other new questions. Um, so if you still have some, you can still throw some Matt, in there. There was one, yeah. there was a message to the city page. Uh, would like to sign up for Cubby's Cupboard. Would need two girls to join since they can't be home. Our kids welcome. Yeah, so um, that's one, I can just speak kind of at a high level and Dr. Gray probably can, can echo too. I know one thing we, with Cubby's in particular, we try to do just because of the privacy concerns. We generally don't have school-age children um, volunteering there w during open hours, you know, they come in and help stock shelves. Now, right now, um, I mean, there's social distancing concerns now, so I don't want to speak for the organizers, um, but they're doing more curbside now, so there might be a way to, to protect the privacy and still allow you to volunteer. So I don't know if Dr. Gray has a more concrete answer. Otherwise, we can always get you in touch with um, Elizabeth and Jody at Cubbies, and they can see if there's a good solution. No, I think you covered it, Brett, and I, I exactly how you finished there. I, I think well, without knowing the specifics, I would encourage folks that, that maybe have this question to maybe send an email to Elizabeth Gent or Jody Heron, and they can find those email addresses on our, on our school page, on our website, in our directory. And if you can't find those, you can go to the Main Street survey that's on the city page that's an interest in volunteering, so you can fill that out. Um, there, there's some unknowns, you know, folks were asking, you know, what time do you need people to deliver? And to be honest, I can't tell you, but if you're interested, um, fill that out and, um, and we'll, we'll get you connected. I'm sure, you know, delivery wise, it's probably pretty flexible. I think, you, you know, we can find times that you're available that you can help generally. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not set in stone as far as that goes. And then other than cubbies, there's also the community cupboard. So that wouldn't have as many of the same school age children privacy concerns. Um, at the community cupboard and they they very possibly could use some volunteers right now so um, that's another entity um, that we're that we're working with you know there's food at first they always need volunteers and, and help and and funding and um, the good samaritan fund they help um, primarily what they'll probably have needs of is funding you know they rely on a lot of offerings specific to their fund that happened during the lent season obviously folks haven't been able to physically attend their church services during the Lent season, all in their needs, we're expecting to, to, to go up quite heavily. You know, when you're looking at nationally, numbers of, of rent non-payment in the month of April for April 1st is really staggering. So I have a feeling the need for some of their services are gonna be really high. So um, yeah, there's, again, I know we've talked about it a couple times this morning, but there's a need for both monetary help um, through the foundation's pandemic relief fund, which John, very smartly put a link here in the chat that you can find the foundation page and see how you can donate to that. And then 
um, with the volunteering. So what we'll probably also do is put the link for the volunteer form that we keep referencing actually in this chat box too. So you can click on it right out of the chat. So um, we'll do both of those things. So I don't know, did we, did we about exhaust our topics or maybe we can go around and talk about kind of what we're looking forward to this weekend and kind of close it out. Does that sound good? Yeah, I am looking forward to having JCs come over to my house and put some eggs out for my kids, for my kids. I only have one kid for my kid to find. Sorry, honey. I was like, we have news. <laughs> no, there's no news. Good grief. Uh, yeah, no. So, uh, you know, JC's doing their, uh, their Easter eggs and also the parade. And I'm also looking forward to no snow. <clears throat> I guess I'm looking forward. Um, I, I guess the colds interfered a little bit, but doing some carpentry work for, uh, the historical society this weekend. So, uh, kind of just a relaxing, calm, uh, Nice little uh, calm Saturday. Well, well, Brett, for me, uh, this was the highlight of my weekend. Uh, this is what I've been looking forward to. So, yeah, I'm really thankful that all the technology works. So, what I've said one one thing that was going to come out of this pandemic is my technology skills kind of got stuck in about 2006 when I was in college and have had to progress quite significantly in the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad I figured out how to make, make all this work and connect to Facebook so folks can join us this morning. So I, I've seen some comments in there. It looks like there's some good response. We've had quite a few people viewing the entire time. So I'm sure even when we return to normal, I think we'll probably continue to do some things like this because it's a good way to, to let folks be involved. So yeah, I guess as far as for me, since I'm already talking stuff I'm looking forward to, I'll probably weather pending. We'll see. I kind of get a chicken when it, when it gets too cold and gross outside, but might go practice for that virtual 5k and get, get ready to complete that. So, um, gotta make, gotta make sure I'm competitive with Dane's time, you know, so I'll, I'll get out there and get practicing and then, um, just spending time with, with family. I mean, Easter in our household, that's when we host, we generally have a full house with both sides of the family coming into town here to celebrate Easter with us. And, um, it's it's a really big deal in our household, and it's different. I mean, Good Friday last night, you know, streamed it online, which it's good still to have some of that, but you still miss that in-person connection. So looking forward to having a little smaller bit of Easter celebrating with my immediate family. But, yeah, we'll make the most of it. You know, we had some good friends last night. They, they thought they were being sneaky, but uh, they they did threw out some eggs really fast and I caught them, but the kids didn't see them. So the kids got to go out there and, and find some eggs and, um, and, and do that. So it's just neat to see, you know, our kids are exchanging uh, handwritten notes. So, you know, j just some, some of that, you know, bringing back a little bit of the old school, but they're writing handwritten notes and we're driving them around to deliver notes to their friends. And so little things like that. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to is enjoying the little things, you know, I, I, it, you know, I've still been busy, so I haven't been bored because obviously with COVID, there's plenty of, of stuff to do, but being able to to not travel as much and, and be here and it, it's been good. There's there's some positives too. So trying to, like Dane said, we're making lemonade out of lemons and trying to find ways to continue moving forward and continuing to progress in, in this time. I'd say uh, I'm I'm looking forward to not staring at this screen for a few hours this weekend. Uh, after having done that all week, right? All of you, all day, every day, Zoom meetings piling up. So looking forward to not staring at the screen and 
I kind of echo what Brett said. I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday, even though it's going to look a little different, but it'll be church will be virtual and uh, looking forward to time with uh, my wife and kids. Hopefully we can get outside a little bit. Well, I'm still looking forward to spring. It's coming, even though this uh, this weekend's going to be chillier. So I've got seedlings that need to go into bigger pots. And um, looking forward to sharing garden produce with friends this summer. So working on that. Um, so I guess with that, I want to thank everybody for joining us this morning. I mean, the the response on on the online has been really positive. Um, I think folks enjoy hearing. I'm, I'm sure there are lots of questions. Hopefully, we answered as many as we could this morning of, of what's going on in the community. But not only that, I want to thank everybody that's on this call here with me this morning talking and all the work everybody's put in. I mean, I know you've all put in countless hours trying to fill needs. And I mean, we we called on, on everybody maybe to do things that weren't even in their normal role. So Henry and John in particular stepped up right away um, to, to help out where there was a need and their organizations kind of shifted gears a little bit from the directions they were going because there, there was a need to fill. And, you know, Linda at the county and the great partnership there and, you know, Keith, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Keith, um, uh, Keith and Melissa there at emergency management. We are very blessed in this county to have incredible emergency management staff and they grabbed the bull by the horn. And, you know, we've been going to emergency management meetings ever since, ever since I was elected as mayor. And, you, you know, you go there in the emergency operations center and they have all these um, different stations and different policies for different stations and we review them and approve them and, you know, never, hoping never to have to use it. Um, and unfortunately, we had to activate the Emergency Operations Center and now seeing them activated and find volunteers to fill those roles for those policies they had written and, and seeing it in action, it shows the value of preparation. And we're blessed here in Story County um, to be prepared. Um, and at even at, at the city level, so back during H1N1, back in 2009, one of our police sergeants bought N95 masks. And he, What's funny is I think the story I've been told is, you know, he thought he was ordering something like 30 masks and bought 30 boxes of masks. So the city um, had some masks, you know, and was able to help other of the law enforcement agencies in the county um, that, that needed some more masks right away for first responders. So just having folks that in the past had been thinking about being prepared um, that now it's come to pass, you know, it shows all of us need to continue to, to think that way, you know, what do we need to be prepared for? and um, you know, so, an event like this hasn't happened in 100 plus years on this on this scale. So it's good that, that at least um, here with the local level, you know, we I feel like we were pretty prepared. And, you know, Keith has been doing a fantastic job keeping us all connected and knowing what's going on and um, helping to connect the dots. So everybody's stepped up in different ways. United Way has been working a lot with child care. I know that's one of the things John spent a lot of time trying to navigate, making sure that our folks that work at the hospital, that that run ambulances that our police fire you know they they don't have um the the child care because of school being off doesn't affect their ability to get to work so we've been working on some of those things that that are important topics so just before we sign off i'm just going to make sure there's nothing on on the chat there that we need to cover but it doesn't look like it so does anybody have any parting words okay it doesn't happy look easter. like it happy happy easter. take care yep happy easter everybody stay safe and stay healthy Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.